You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Lori Goff is the author of Island of the Human Heart, Kite Strings of the Southern Cross, and a contributor to numerous travel anthologies, including Not So Funny When It Happened. Her newest book is Kiss the Sunset Pig. Thank you for joining me, Lori. Sure. It's nice to be here. Lori, let's talk a little bit about the travel writing genre. Who are the current travel writers who are the stars in your feeling right now? Who are, who's at the top of the game next to you, let's oh, say? Well, I- I'm sort of way down on the list, but I would say uh, Bill Bryson. Although he isn't writing travel right now, he has written a lot of travel books, and his books are all very funny. And um, but he's really popular. I think when people talk or think of travel writers, they think of Bill Bryson right off the bat. And he's an American, but he lived a lot of his life in England, and then he moved back to the states, and now he's back in England. But his uh, his travel writing is is really funny. He doesn't do intrepid, fearless travels. It's more. Um, more mainstream, staying in motels and things like that, but his uh, writing is really funny and dry wit. Now, tell me about your start as a writer. Were you always a writer as a child from the very get-go? Yeah, I always wrote. Yeah, um, I studied English literature in university, and uh, I, um, but really my travel writing started, I think, because I uh, kept journals. I always kept journals when I was traveling, and I think it was in Fiji that I really started to take my travel writing seriously and this is because it was so difficult to do in Fiji. I soon learned, I became fascinated with Fijian culture and I was staying with a large extended Fijian family and um, I soon learned that solitude is an unknown concept in Fiji and they don't even have a word for alone. And the whole idea of being alone really sort of terrifies them and they don't like it and they found it very deviant that I wanted to be alone to write in my tent so I could write in my journal and so these Fijian women were always seeking me out and finding me in my tent and saying, Laurie, get out of that tent. You shouldn't be alone. Come, come eat. They were always always trying to feed me and fatten me up because they, uh, to them, um, big women are beautiful. And uh, that they don't, they didn't have TV when I was there. So their, their standard of beauty was completely different from the Western world. And so it was really interesting. Anyway, that's how I got started travel writing. I just had all these journals and I came back to Canada after one particularly long trip. And, um, Six months had gone by since I'd been in Fiji, and I woke up in the middle of the night with this terrifying, panicky feeling that I was starting to forget my travels, and it sort of felt as if they were evaporating, and it all felt like a dream, so I got up right then in the middle of the night and started writing a travel story, and um, it felt so good and so cathartic that I just kept writing, and I dug out my old travel journals, and I realized I had this wealth of material, all kinds of details that I had forgotten, and um, before I knew it, I was writing a book. How did you go about selling that book? Did you try other sales to magazines or the Sunday newspaper section? Yeah. Well, the first thing I had published um, while I was writing that book, I saw an ad in the back of the New Yorker. It was in the classified section, and it was a, a San Francisco publisher looking for women's travel adventure stories, and I thought, that's exactly what I'm doing. So I sent away two uh, stories to this um, San Francisco publisher, and they called just a few weeks later saying they wanted to publish both my stories. And that's a publisher called Traveler's Tales. And uh, so that was really exciting. That's my first uh, published stuff. And I got to go to the 
the Book Expo in Chicago that summer, and I met all these other women travel writers and the San Francisco publishers, and it was sort of like finding my tribe. Well, that sounds like a, a career that a lot of people would like to, to undertake. As you started uh, writing more for travel, could you talk about writing for the different markets? I mean, you're writing for when you, if you're writing for a Sunday newspaper, it's different than if you're writing for Travelog magazine or All About Fiji magazine. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That newspapers tend to want it's very ad driven for newspapers, so they want you to write about um, places where people are going. And imagine in California, people go to uh, Hawaii a lot, so they probably would want a lot of articles about Hawaii and where I live in Can Eastern Canada and uh, near Toronto. They uh, people tend to go to the Caribbean, so they see a lot of stories about the Caribbean and Jamaica and Cuba in our travel sections. Um, so you don't have as much free reign as you would think you would for newspapers anyway. But um, travel magazines are different because they want more off the beaten track sort of stories and stories that have a particular focus or um, something that no one has ever written about before, very original um, cultural oddities that you might come across. If travel writing is a genre, there are presumably subgenres, I guess, and one of the big ones, I guess, that you just told me about is women's travel writing. That's a really fantastic uh, subgenre. I've never thought about that. Could could you tell me a little bit more about how organized is that? Are there is there like a professional women's travel writers group? Oh, I don't think there is. I've never heard of it. Wow. There should be. Yeah, they'll start it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's um, the very first book I read that was, um, I guess you could call women's travel writing was written, it was uh, written in the 70s by a woman named Robin Davidson, and she was Australian. And she went to, uh, she's from Australia, and she walked across the desert with four camels. And it was a, bo a book called uh, Tracks, and it was an incredible book, and it really inspired me to be a travel writer because they, she was going against this amazing odds, and it took her eight months to walk across Australia and horrible conditions. And But she found so many beautiful things along the way, even though it was such a hard journey for her, and it's a really beautifully written book. Could you talk a little bit about your process? You, let's say, for example, you are assigned to write about Monterey. Uh, how do you undergo doing this? Do you research your destinations before you go there? Oh, yeah, I would read as much as I could about Monterey, and then I would look for something very specific that was happening in Monterey, maybe a certain festival. or um, Sometimes you don't have any idea what the story is going to be about until you get to the place. Sometimes you know before. Or sometimes you have an idea what you want to write about when you and you get there and you realize that that is the story sort of falls through and there's nothing really there, so you have to look for something else. And sometimes you don't even really know what the story is until after you get home and you have time to reflect on it and come to see the story more clearly. So there are different. Um, the story can come to you in different ways. Do you? How do you collect your notes? Do you uh, record them on a hand recorder or do you write them down or both? I write them down. I haven't used a hand recorder. I write everything in a journal. I'm, very, I'm a really messy writer, too, so sometimes it's really hard to figure out what I've written about. As you put together a piece, how do you do it? Do you put together a sketch of like an outline of what you want to do and then draft in the, the details? Yeah, I, I get home after a trip and I let some time pass, enough time for the essential parts of the trip to sink in and and then I start to see the trip as something that could read like a novel with a plot and full of characters and, and a story with a beginning and a middle and an ending and, and a climax, perhaps. And maybe sometimes I start looking, I see something um, very specifically in the beginning or I'm looking for something and then in the end I, I either find it or I don't or I find something completely different from what I thought I was going to 
find and um it it ends up um being a story just like a short story that's fiction one thing that interested me as i read your book it didn't really say i seem like a, a travel writing. I would just have called it a memoir in motion. That was my, my thought. That's an interesting phrase for it. It is a memoir because it's very self-reflective in a lot of places too. It isn't just, these are my adventures. I went here. I was lost in a jungle, jungle in Sumatra and had a weird experience on a beach in Greece. It's also um, a lot about finding the old uh, um, free-spirited younger self I, that I was sort of on a quest for because I felt that I was more... Um, idealistic when I was in my 20s when I was doing most of my travels and then when I'm on this road trip that I talk about in the book I'm reflecting back to different trips I've taken to different parts of the world sort of looking for clues as to where I might have lost my younger more free spirit itself and looking ahead to California where I want to live and and um, also this cave that I write about too where I spent six days and six nights when I was just 21 years old and um, I kept a journal when I was in this cave how do you choose your destinations? Oh, I just sort of go by whatever um, places that I've always dreamt of going. I, there's still so many places that I'd like to go. But um, with Fiji, what, which I wrote about in my first book, I had always had this wonderful, um, very romantic view of the South Pacific. And I knew it was a place that didn't have a lot of tourists and, and um, was very, had a, they had a very simple life and very friendly. And, and it just seemed so romantic. And um, I had always wanted to go there and New Zealand also and um, Morocco. There's just so many places that uh, still I'd like to go to. In I haven't been to India and I've wanted to go there for years and years, but I'm sort of waiting uh, to go there, but I'll, I'll go there too. Also, I, I really like um, small isolated island islands. I'm really interested in island life and the way people get along and getting along with each other is of the utmost importance if you live on an island because um, there's just so much gossip and that you, everyone has to be very careful what they say and they never want to offend each other. So they're always, um, saying what they think people want to hear rather than what the truth might be. So it's really interesting trying to untangle the, you know, truth from reality or reality from what is really going on. Oh, one thing I really liked about your book was it's really funny. You're a very funny prose writer. And I'm wondering how much of that happens during the travels and how much of that happens after when you're sitting around and reflecting. Oh, I guess both. Um, I think you have to have a sense of humor if you travel because there's just so many things. You can get in really lousy, difficult situations and you have to have a sense of humor about it or you'd never get through. I was on this bus ride in Sumatra and it was a 17-hour bus ride and I was the only woman on the bus and I was trying to get to this little town in the mountains where it would be cooler because Sumatra was right in the equator and it was boiling hot and I just wanted to get to this little town that I'd read about in the Lonely Planet guidebook that was supposed to be a college town and incredible architecture and anyway the bus ride was just absolutely a trip from hell and um, it went all night it was 17 hours and I was the only woman on the bus and I was stuck at the very back corner of the bus and there were all these um, men smoking clove cigarettes and and five teenage boys next to me smoking clove cigarettes and they don't allow you to open a window so the air was just thick with all this cigarette smoke it smelled kind of nice because it smelled like cloves but anyway it was um and the, and the bus broke down and and uh they actually started showing a porno in the middle of the night at about midnight and i wrote about that in my book and um, i thought wow i'm in the middle of the you know jungled middle of nowhere and they're showing a porno and nobody in the world knows where i am right now you know, luckily it turned out fine and, and the men were really nice. They sort of giggled shyly and kept turning around to see my reaction to the movie. And, and um, 
So you have to have a sense of humor when you're in situations like that. So. I, I imagine so. Now, one thing that springs to mind is this kind of idea I thought of uh, that that everything's relative when when you're traveling. You know, how much do you play about at trying to become, you know, remain a tourist, an outsider, a foreigner, a writer, an observer, and and on the other hand, try to become part of the local scene to understand it better? Yeah, I think it's time. It's really hard. You know, you can never really fit into a culture. Um, you're always an outsider. And I find that anytime I've ever stayed for a per- length of time, I've gotten to know the culture so much better rather than just sort of rushing through when you don't really get to know the people at all. And um, I really like spending time rather than trying to see as much as I can. I like spending time in one spot and getting to know the people. And uh, um, always feeling sort of somehow as if I'm understanding them a little bit. I always come to the conclusion that we're all the same basically all over the world. People always want the same things. They want a connection with each other and someone to fall in love with and some place to call home and children. And and even though people are living their lives so differently all around the world, basically we all want the same things in life, I think. so. Could you talk a little bit about teaching travel writing? You're going to be conducting a workshop here tonight. Tell what? How do you? How do we learn to travel write? And where do we get the gigs? I like this job. I want one too. <laughs> well, travel writing doesn't actually pay well. That's something that people don't know. They think of it as this dream job, but it um, writing for newspapers, especially in the travel sections, they they hardly pay anything. But so I have to find. Uh, different sort of jobs that do actually pay. I recently was hired to write a website for a Bahamas resort and the guy wanted um, a particular type of writing that I thought was really cheesy but that's what I gave him because that's what he wanted and and uh, yeah it's it's an interesting job it's sort of fly by night and all kinds of jobs um, you have to look, really go out and research or uh, look for freelance jobs and uh, even even the best travel writers get turned down if they come up with ideas. Last, just last night I saw Tim Cahill speak in San Francisco, and he was telling me that, or telling the audience that he, um, a lot of times even he gets turned down from editors. He has an idea of something he wants to write about, and they come back and say, oh, no, that's been done, or doesn't sound that interesting. Or, so um, it's, a, it's, it's a very tough sell. Travel writing is a tough sell in North America, and, and uh, you really have to, your heart really has to be in it to make it through the slush piles. But if you really like traveling and like to write, there's no reason why you can't be a travel writer. So what are the things that we can do to get the, get the job? To get the job, a travel writing gig? Yes. Um, let's see. I think editors are looking for, uh, as I said, the, a unique angle on something, something specific, rather than just the overall view of a place. They want something that people can really sink their teeth into. San Francisco is sort of the hub of travel writing for the world, and my, um, it's so exciting to be here in this area because um, there's always some sort of travel writing event going on just about any night of the week in, week in San Francisco. There seems to be something about travel writing. And um, my very first book, uh, or Kite Strings of the Southern Cross, was reviewed all over the place and um in salon.com and don george is the editor of uh um was the editor of salon.com the travel section he used to be the editor of the chronicle anyway he gave me this fantastic review online and it was um really great it was a great boost to have and i think that's what um got my book noticed in england because my book was shortlisted for the thomas cook travel book award in england and that's they call it the booker prize of travel literature so that was a really um that was really exciting when that happened. And We've been t- speaking with Lori Goff. Her new book is Kiss the Sunset Pig. Thank you for joining me, Lori. 
Oh, sure. Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.